Today, we welcome to No Limits for his first appearance, but he's been a longtime friend of the podcast. Welcome, Jared Macarin. Did I get it right? Yes, you got it right the first time. That's impressive. Okay. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mike. So we started chatting just, I guess, maybe a year or two ago, sometime we started the podcast up. And I feel like every single time we hear of a new thriller, you're always one of the first people posting about it, reviewing it, and that we chit-chat with. How did you get into thrillers? Um, I, I, You know, I've been a huge fan of of the thriller genre for a long time. Um, Clive Cussler loved reading his books early on, Nelson DeMille, uh, Vince Flynn, and Brad Thor. I was introduced to those guys a long time ago. Um, but to be honest... Those were mainly the authors that I read until probably about three years ago. And then, you know, right before the pandemic happened, uh, my wife was like, you need a hobby. You need to do something. <laughs> write a book. Like I had a short story that I had in high school that I had write, written with a couple friends. In college, I turned it into a screenplay with another friend and then – it just kind of, you know, sat there and my wife was like, you need a hobby. Why don't you turn that into a book? And I was like, all right, sure. So started writing that. Then I got on Twitter, found a bunch of, you know, found the real book spy, found a, a bunch of, you know, authors. And then, then this happened, just started going nuts, reading all the authors. I, my wife is like, please stop buying books. Like seriously, you have. <laughs> That's like Martini's that. wife. Yeah, yeah. I know about that. Yeah, so she's like, until you read the thirty-five books that you haven't read that are on your shelf, like please stop buying. Not going to happen. But. uh That's when I started getting into Mark Greeny, uh, Don Bentley, Chris Haughty. Um, gosh, who else? All of these. Uh, Ward Larson. So many. You know, uh, Jack Carr. All those guys just really getting into reading a lot of different people. And uh, it's been it's been awesome because, I mean, they're all terrific in their own way. But I was just like, I'm going to buy like the first 10 books in like all of these series. Wow. I'll just get to all of them. Um, so it was, you know, Mark Greeny, Don Bentley, Chris Haughty, Ward Larson, uh, Andrews and Wilson. Mm. All of all those friends guys. Of the pod. Yes. Friends of the pod. Yeah, you know, so just going, just really trying to 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 get a diverse cross section of, of thriller uh, writers because um, they all have something very unique the way that they tell a story. Um, and as someone who's you know working on his his debut novel, like you want to read how the the people who are published do it, and you right. want to see what makes them so successful, and not you don't want to you know you see things that you can work on ways that you can tell a story within your own voice, but, you know, learning from the guys who obviously have done really well with it. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Cause I feel like if you just stick to one author, you could find, maybe find yourself either trying to mimic that one author. And, but if you have a breath, then you can, you know, take bits and pieces and sort of create your own. And what, you know, I'm sure what you've learned and what we've learned through this whole process is that this community is, is so great. And so the outreach, and I don't know if you've had a chance to go to any of the writers conventions, like I know both Eric Bishop and as well as, um, oh, what's his name? From, Chris uh, Albanese. The crew, 
Chris Albanese like mm-hmm. suggested. We don't write, um, but we we kind of want to go maybe next year and and just pick authors' brains. But yeah, no, it, it's great. I'm I'm glad you're you're getting into it. Yeah, I haven't been able to go to any of the conferences, but like Chris, I've talked to Chris a bunch online. Um, nice, he's a very nice guy. Yeah, Brian Andrews talked to him a whole bunch. Uh, Kyle Mills, I've talked to on the side. I've you know reached out and talked a little bit with Mark Greeny. Uh, also Don Bentley, Chris, Hottie, and like all those guys, nice. I'll try and reach out and just, you know, after I read a book and just be like, that was awesome. Kudos to you. I know I'm six books behind where you're at now, but this was awesome. And so like, that's, you know, that, and they're all responsive, which is fantastic. So, right, you know, right. you, like you were saying with the community, it's not just the reader's who are all engaging and going back and forth and having great conversation, but the writers get involved and the writers are super supportive of everyone else in the genre. And that's really encouraging as you're trying to, as someone who's trying to break in or someone who's just a fan. Cause at the end of the day, I, I want to be with them on the shelf, but I'm also a huge fan. Yeah. That, well, that's exactly why we have you here today because uh gray man just came out. We just released a bunch of couple pods breaking down the movie, uh, breaking down the first book in the series. And one of the things like, we ha- both me and Mike, right? You haven't had a chance to read the next book, have you, Mike? I have not. That's why we need Jared today. Yeah, that's why the the whole I guess what jump started this conversation is we had some questions coming out of the movie, and we thought that who would be better than a super fan to answer our questions and you know maybe help some of our listeners as well who either have just listened to the movie or watched the movie or just read the first book. So I guess first, first question, what did you think of the movie? Let's just, let's just kick it off there. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I think going into it, I understood. And I know Mark talked about it um, on numerous occasions that they pulled different characters and different themes from numerous books and then just added in some characters as well. So there was, there's a uniqueness to the movie as opposed to just what's in the book. Right. So there's, there's a difference you know, you're never going to get the same uh, story when you change mediums like that. You just can't. I think if you're, if you're going to do it like, just like the book, you're going to have to do kind of what Jack Carr did with terminal list and get a series. Exactly. He's got nine or 10 hours to work with. The Russo brothers tried to tell it in two hours. So there's inherently going to be a lot of difference in the material that's presented. That said, I thought it was incredibly enjoyable. I loved it. Um, I I knew it was going to be different. I didn't care. I just wanted to see, was it, was the spirit the same? Yep. Is the care, when I see, when I watch Ryan Gosling, do I envision the gray man that I read in the book? That same style, the same attitude that he projects, the same way he approaches any situation. And yeah, I did. Uh, I've been a fan of Ryan Gosling since he was in Remember the Titans. Right. I Early days. <laughs> I won't go see him in Ken and Barbie unless my wife makes me. But- <laughs> But I thought he was fantastic in this movie and the way that he reacted to the scenes where he gets his butt kicked left and right. And all he does is grunt and then gets up and like fights again. Like 
that's what happens in the book. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the totally gray man. court. Uh, that is court. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that that was that was on brand. I loved that acting. You know, he gets shot and then snarky remark followed by effortlessly killing five people. Okay, no big deal. That's court. That yep. is the character that Mark created, and that was nice to see on screen. Chris Evans, as good as he is as Captain America, fabulous as a bad guy. Oh yeah, he's a really good bad guy. He played a Lloyd, cocky bad guy. Like he was the best part of the movie. Like I, th- I thought that Lloyd was was amazing and captured the essence of the character from the book. Absolutely, yeah. Just the like the smart ass ruthlessness that he has. And the way that Chris is able to deliver that character is just, I mean, makes the movie, it really brings you in as, as a viewer um, and makes you feel for that character, whether it draws an emotion, no matter whether it's liking him, you, if you hate him, great. If you like him, okay, fine. You know, you might have to evaluate your own life choices. If you like a character (laughs) like that, who, who likes Lloyd? <laughs> yeah, but if you do, I mean, sure, go ahead. You know, you probably rooted for the bad guys in you know Game of Thrones. Fine, but it's it's all it all comes back to they were able to if they're able to get an emotion out of the viewer, make them feel something. That's what you want when you're reading it. You want to like the character or hate the character and be wishing that something good or bad is going to happen to them. And I think the movie did that well in terms of who they cast for certain roles. And it's crazy because one of the major changes from the first book is that Lloyd is really just a lawyer. He has no field experience, no action scenes. He's pulling the strings, you know, from an office. He's, he's a paper pusher. He's a CIA dropout essentially. And he's a dropout of the CIA. You forget that entirely and you don't care. And you're not distracted by that, that change of character because the casting and acting is so much fun. And Chris Evans is nailing, like you said, the spirit, the essence of who that character was and how they were written, even if they're totally a different skill set and a different job. It didn't even matter that they made such a major change to Lloyd's character because it was still Lloyd. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it gave a great adversary to court in, in, a, in a, you know, telling a similar story to what's in the gray man in the book, but in a, in a different way. Sure. Yeah. I like the change of making him instead of being an incompetent, like a see like I said, a CIA dropout, making him someone who got kicked out of the CIA or is his methods are, you know, too, too harsh for the CIA. You know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, just thinking of other novels like Louis Gould, right? Like, you know, sort of this very comparable to a Mitch rap, but someone who will, has no hesitation of blowing up someone's wife, pregnant wife, you know, like exactly you get that uh, a better antithesis than in the book where it's more, he's more of like a pathetic guy uh, and will sort of do anything to show his bravado. But yeah, like, like you said, like you guys said, it definitely captures the, the essence. So I, I do have a question. So I've sort of ebbed and flowed with this movie and I've ebbed and flowed with my, analysis of this movie like I, I we talked about it right after I, I saw it in the movie theaters and then uh we talked about it with some friends who do a movie review podcast and in order to prepare for that i rewatched it on netflix so, so i wanted to ask you first how did you watch it and second i want to know your your opinion on like the netflix of it all uh if that if, do you think that hurt it do you think that helped it um 
because I, I feel like when I rewatched it, I watched it on my phone. I watched it in bits and pieces and it, it almost did it a disservice. Whereas when I was in the movie theater and I was you know strapped into the, my seat and it was booming because the, the, the sound is so loud in it. And I, I couldn't look at my phone for two straight hours. I just had to watch the movie. It, I, I loved it. And then, but, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just everything that you watch sort of bit piecemeal. It just ends up, you know, you, you ruin it. I, I ruined it myself. <laughs> you turned it into a mini series for yourself there. Yeah, um, that didn't need to be. I watched it on Netflix. It wasn't playing in theaters, I don't think, uh, near me. Otherwise, I would have gone to see it in the theater. But yeah, watched it on Netflix and loved it. And like you said, the sound is great visually incredible i don't know if they just did a lot of drone a lot of drone a lot of drone work with flying around the scenes um, the city city, scene the city scenes oh it was beautifully done so kudos to them for that and uh i i thought it was great i thought it was really good on netflix i i would have liked it to have been in more theaters but you know at this point it's i think there are going to be a lot more shows a lot more um things going on to streaming only, you know, whether it's Netflix buying the rights or Hulu or Amazon, um, like with Jack Carr and his series, it's only, you know, it's only on Amazon prime. So it's, I think that's going to be how a lot of things are as you know, with, with certain markets getting just big movies and how the movie theater future happens. Um, but with streaming and how it's, blown up the way it has and then becoming more than just we're going to take old movies and show them but now they're doing all this original content which is great because it gives these uh it gives a chance for these characters like like a court gentry to be able to be shown in a different medium and bring people into the genre because there are people who will watch that and just go oh i want to see an action movie then you find out it's based on a novel Right. And then you're going to read the book. Right. That happened with the Terminalist. So many yeah. people are talking about that show, posting about it. And one of the first comments that comes up is, have you read the book? And they're like, oh, no, I'll have to pick it up. And there's no way you pick up the first Jack Carr book without picking up the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. So it's bringing exactly. people to the genre. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that that first Terminalist, I'm a sucker for debut books for like first novels in a series like yes. Transfer of Power. My favorite Mitch Rap book. Oh, just, amazing. Just is. And then it's, you know, and Gray Man loved it. I've loved, I've enjoyed all of the sequels, but the first one, I don't know what it is about a first book in a series. Just if you you knock that out of the park, you can do you can do really, really great work throughout. But to me, it's like the debut is just there's something special about that. I think you find that these series that end up going on five to what both Brad and, and Vince and well, slash Kyle are at 21. The the reason that they're there is because they did knock that first one out of the park and they were given a second shot to write, you know, they got a two book, three book deal in the, in the future. The, to me, what's interesting and we've, we've covered this before me and you Mike is the second book that, that is always, it's an interesting thing to see because we see second books are the more hit or miss kind. And they're then tough. typically the third book if if the if the series is going to continue on, the third book has to be either n- just as good or just just below the first book. I guess just coming back to the Netflix one more time, ten years ago or five years ago, this would have been the blockbuster movie of like a, a blockbuster movie of the summer. You know, obviously you had the blockbuster movie was 
Maverick, but you know, like this would have been their, you know, big, some big debut. But one thing I think that the streaming actually adds is I found out that, you know, they've already greenlit the sequel mm-hmm. and they've already greenlit a spinoff show. And I, they haven't said what the spinoff show is going to be. So I don't know if you guys want to speculate what you think it could be. Is, is it going to be following, you know, some other Sierra person is going to be following the, the, the little girl? Could it be Danush? I, I love the Indian assassin. And yes, I think he has more of a story to play with the way that arc wrapped up. And I know a lot of Indian fans, there's a huge base. They wanted more of him because he's apparently a real big actor over there. I think he he and Ana de Armas' character, you really have to use them more because they were gold. I think I think both of those actors did tremendous jobs. I mean, um, Ana de Armas, her, her character is made up. That's brand new for the movie. Mm. She's not in the books anywhere. Um, oh, and you don't even see her in the future. Okay. No, not that I re- recall. I mean, basically in the book, Gentry works alone. And so how he, his relationship to the CIA in The Gray Man is different in the movie than it is in the book. And so that's that's important. I don't want to ruin the book for people if they haven't, but just where their relationships are different. Characters have different. Fitzroy is different in the books and in the movie. I, I actually want to dig into that. I, I'm kind of curious. I don't know, Chris. How do you feel? Do we have to give a spoiler warning if people are going to read Beyond on Target and the second, third, fourth plus books? Yeah, I guess we're 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 twenty twenty five minutes in. We, we, let's try not to do like any sort of major Huge spoilers, like spoiler plots, like you know the the final culmination. But just sure. like because there's like I want to dig into the the one CIA lady. What what was her name? Suzanne um, Brewer. I'm real curious. I I feel like she has a place in the gray man's future and possibly past. And Denny Carmichael, do these characters. So yeah, in like generalities, how the CIA was portrayed in the movie, does any of that come up in later books? Because it has nothing to do with book number one. Yes. Yes. Uh, Brewer does make an appearance in later novels uh, and has a decent sized role in the later novels. Carmichael as well. Um, as they move through the 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 first, I'm I'm on book I'm on Gunmetal Gray now. I just finished that, uh, so I'm up to Agent in Place. So those characters do make appearances later and do become important to the story, and their relationships to Gentry are important with how certain plot lines play out over the next couple of books. Um, and I think that even with the difference in delivery and how the movie set things up in terms of Court's relationship to those characters, I still think that they have a ton of – I don't think they ruined source material that they can't pull from to make more of the movies like we were talking about with the, uh, you know, with the sequel that they've already greenlit, greenlit which that's awesome because there's, there's so much material and there's so many themes that they can take. And even though they've changed things, they can still use those those ideas to for the next movie. And then, you know, uh, moving on even more of a series if they're able to do more. I, I, they can put out if they can put out one to two of these movies a year. I'm, I'm game. And that's good to hear because a lot of comments in the Mark Rainey fans Facebook group. A lot of people, and the only negative things I've seen have come from book readers, the hardcore book readers, 
because they're saying they closed a lot of doors. They shut down a lot of things that you would do in the future. And again, maybe speaking in generalities, was it Fitzroy dying at the end on the roof of that castle? Like, I assume I want more of him. I assume there would be more of him. But then again, there's also an opportunity to go back in time. Do any of the books go back and flesh out Sierra Six's recruiting and the Sierra program, or are they all forward from here? I believe that Sierra Six, the latest Mark Greeny book that has come out, that's the one that goes a lot into the past and a current storyline where they're both happening at the same time. Uh, I have it on my shelf. Prequel. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that delves into that. And that's what I hope the spinoff is. I hope the spinoff is from when he was taken out of prison. Mm. Yeah, because then it flashes, what, 13 years? Like, I, I want to know what happened Eight, to that 13 18, years. It was 18 years yeah. later, wasn't it? Whatever it, it was. It was a lot. It was a lot. That time jump is, is I would love to see that. Um, there are characters that I would really like to see them bring in. Um, the Zack Hightower character. Um, okay, who's that? He's big in the book. Okay. He In, in the book, he is basically, he's Sierra One. Oh, yes. okay. In the book, he's Sierra One. And um, so they haven't introduced him, which is okay. Because again, it leaves opportunity. Yes, the Fitzroy character was changed for the movie. Did he live longer than the first book? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that I can see where people would say that doors were closed. But again, going back to what we said at the beginning, which is it's a different medium. You can change people's how they're, they're, they changed relationships already. You can easily work in. There's talented writers that are working on this on this movie. They're not they're not, you know, scrubs by any means. They're going to take the source material and they're going to meld it to tell a good story in a different way. Staying true to the, you know, to the gray man ethos, but in a different manner. Yeah. And I think if you write, so, if you, you write something that you're planning on a sequel, that's where, you know, people get, and you see these big IP machines get into trouble. Like, just like, look at DC, where like they'll set up these movies that are, you don't get all the payoffs in them, and you're, you're left, you, you, you put a stinger, and then the movie bombs, and it's never going to get, greenlit again and then you just all you do is end up pissing the the fans who like it so here i felt like they did a they did a good enough job you know obviously leaving some story on the bone like sierra's alive at the end and he escapes from from the cia but you were able to tell this emotional story with with fitzroy and like obviously they were able to get billy bob thornton to play the character do you really think he was going to be able to stay on i mean he's getting a lot of money but you know he probably agreed to this because it's like all right, I die at the end. I get to hold a freaking grenade and kill people. You know, like that's that's something cool that you can sell to, you know, these bigger actors. Just think about who they got in this movie. I, I didn't even realize it when I was thinking about it, but I then listened to, I listened to this um, other movie podcast, The Big Picture, and they were just rattling off all the people. I didn't realize that uh, the the guy who dies with the, um, oh, shoot, with the, you know, the trap door, that's uh, Pablo Escobar from Nar- Narcos. Oh. Uh, the, the actor who played who played him, he he has lost a lot of weight from that since that that role. You know, the the African American lady who's in charge of the CIA, she's she's very famous. Um, she was fantastic too. Margaret Cahill, I think, is I don't know the yeah. actress's name, but underappreciated. And, and that was another good change from the book. 
because in the book it was that old man Maurice that I didn't really like who was was Six's trainer. I don't know if Maurice comes back at all, but I thought that woman being his original handler and he had a very fond, you know, sage like she was like a sage to him. I, I thought that was really well played. Yeah, and I think that goes back to, you know, the, the hardcore what you were saying with the hardcore book lovers being like the, they're going to be the ones who are the most critical of it because you want to see what you read. You want, you envision that as you're reading it, you want to see that on screen. And when they change that, everyone gets all riled up. Same thing with American assassin. When that came out, they didn't like the story. They didn't like the casting. They didn't like, I had more, you know, there was, I thought the casting was fine. I, the story, you know, I was fine with the casting. The story was just absolute complete shit. That's a book you needed to keep. You needed to keep Vince's story as close as you can. You can't mess with Vince. Yeah. And I don't know why they did it, but they did it. But like, I, you know, I thought, um, what's his Dylan, um, Dylan O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah. Did it. Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. Oh, Michael Keaton was a great. He was awesome. Keaton was good. I think everyone wanted Bruce Willis. Um, I know that like there was everyone's like, oh, I want Bruce Willis. I want Chris Hemsworth to play, you know, Mitch Rapp, which yeah, he could. But just because we want a want an actor to play a character, you know what? That doesn't always work. (laughs) But see, uh, the one thing uh, we're we're going off tangent here, but the one thing reason I liked the actor they got is because you know Mitch is a, a lacrosse star. He's not. He's not a, a a rugby star like like you know Hemsworth. You know he he's a skinny dude who then bo- obviously bulks up later on. And but he's never described as like this beefy dude. He's just he runs triathlons. He's super athletic. Yeah. So I believed you know that character way more than the, the problem I have was with, with introducing the the uh, you know what's up with the the one guy always playing playing a bad guy. He was a Taylor bad guy Kitch. in the Terminalist. Taylor oh, Taylor Kitch. Kitch. Yeah. Taylor Kitch's character. Yeah. He was a completely new new thing, but that's that's a whole other pod. But um, yeah, no, like they, they got Chris Evans, Renee Jean Page from Bridgerton. Uh, you know, Jessica Henwick. She was in the um, the new Matrix movie as uh, you know that the the main the new main character, yeah, uh, Bug, Bugsy or whatever her name was. And she's been in a lot of different things. It's just amazing, like the amount of people that they got to to be in this movie. I mean, I guess that's what. Uh, $200 million get you, right? <laughs> and they all had time to shine, which is, I think, an important thing because the, you want to give the audience, obviously, a lot of court, a lot of Lloyd, because that's the main conflict. But you give Billy Bob Thornton time to shine as as Fitzroy. You give uh, Reggae Jean Page at time to shine as Carmichael and the importance right. that he is to the future of the – or, you know, to his role in the future stories. Uh like uh, Jessica, um, uh, who played Suzanne Brewer, her character, you know, that character in what it means moving forward. All these people, you get the viewer to care about them. And you draw out an emotion so that you want more of that person so that when they do that sequel and that person's in it, you're not going to be like, oh, that person's back. You right. want to see what that person's going to do. You want to. One of my favorite scenes in The Gray Man right at the beginning when they um, Carmichael throws the cup of coffee oh, glass, yeah, and you don't you don't hear it because it's shown from the outside of the control room, and yeah. all of a sudden you start to see his hand move, and then all of a sudden it pulls back, and you just see the cup explode against the glass wall, 
That was a good that, shot. That was good. Yeah. Loved it. And so, I mean, I think he's a little bit younger of a Carmichael than is in the book. Okay. But again, I'm okay with it. It's well acted. And as long as the spirit of the character is the same, that's what I'm, that's what I look for in the adaptations uh, from book to movie is, is this, what's the spirit like? And I think they nailed it pretty well. Yeah. Let me ask you about that because our, our friends we had on to review the movie with us were let's just, I'll say gently, we're, we're not as high on the movie as I was. And a main critique was, this jumbled set of themes and different tones and how tonally they felt the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. Yet for me, I think that was how this movie set itself apart from a a Jason Bourne, which is really dead serious. Like Pam Landy running, you know, Bourne and this team is like the stakes are so high. That sounds very serious. Yeah. It's yeah. The stakes are high. It's very serious. I didn't want this to be just a super serious like spy spy movie. I didn't want it to be a Bond either where or Mission Impossible. The action's just so over the top and Tom Cruise is going to do these ridiculous things. It had bits and pieces of all of these. And then you had the humor that that Chris Evans brought and Ryan Gosling brought. So I'm almost happy it was a mashup of all these different tones and themes that worked for me. And that's what defines for me the gray man moving forward. I expect the next one to do the same thing. Have the over the top jumping out of airplanes type of stuff while you also have some pretty cool CIA spy espionage stuff. And at the same time, you have a lot of lighthearted humor, the slapstick like the Avengers. Are you okay with it jumbling all those together? Yes. And I think what you just said is where I think is the sweet spot. It, Like you said, the Avengers, if you look at that, it's action. There are serious tones. And then there's that funny comment that just comes out of nowhere that lightens it a little bit, but doesn't take away from the overall seriousness. Ryan Gosling, when he's like, uh, and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, my ego's kind of bruised. You know, I'd like to (laughs) save you once. Not that I want you to be in mortal danger so that I can save you, but it'd be nice to like... Little comments like that in the heat of the moment, to me, bring a different, bring another layer. And this is all, that's all subjective. You can hate that there's a, that there's a balance of seriousness and then someone making a wise crack in the middle of it. You can hate that. There are a lot of people that love it. And being that the Russos did Winter Soldier and in, Infinity War and Endgame, did they not? They did all yeah, of those. They're from community originally, so. Yeah, and that's their wheelhouse is doing this great, beautiful action movie with some humor thrown in. Because to a degree that happens in the book. There are comments that are made that are just funny. And then you, yeah, you court court is that. more more humor than most of the are the characters we live with. Less know? than like, Scott Harvath, but more than Mitch Rapp for sure. Yeah. You yeah. Know. I mean, who throws a loaded gun? Yeah, I don't think you can have Mitch Rapp making one-liners like Gosling pulled off. That's that's not that style. No. But for this, it works. When they stop and do the whole who who throws a loaded gun, and I'm literally oh, yeah. like, that, had me that guy up. is getting away. Go after him. He has the flash drive. But they deliberately choose for 10 to 15 seconds to drop everything to show you that Ana de Armas is pissed off about not having you know slugs in the gun. I, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. 
Yeah. Her her character and and uh her and Ryan played off really really well. Um and that I I can see where the book people are like, "Oh, that's not true. Court's a loner and, you know, blah blah blah. He he's just by himself and it's like, yeah, to a degree, yes. But again, different medium, spirit of his character still the same. Yeah. And who knows who and who knows what happens with them going forward? Is she on court's side still? Or is she on the CIA side? So is that a spoiler? Did I just <laughs> No. No, no, no. no. Okay. Yeah. But it's just where does where does her character fit in in the next one? Is she with Brewer and Carmichael? Is she with is she with is she with Gentry? Where does she yeah. fit in? And where does Gentry fit in? Because right. he just stole the little girl out from under them. So, you know, there's so there's so many paths that they can take. Um, that I'm ex- I'm really excited to see what the writers do for the next yes. one. Can you do us a, a a favor for for just me and Mike? Can you just set up what the beginning of what on target begins with? Like where 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 do we next you know pick up with with Gentry? We get a hint at the end of the first book. I don't know if this is true, but the end of the first book, the Laurent group, Mark Laurent, who set up the whole hit on him in book one. His company ends up hiring Court. Is that going to be something that plays out for a while? He's going to work for this kind of mercenary group. He works for who's going to pay him, and depending on the target. Uh, mm, um, okay. Because again, his relationship to the CIA in the books is very different than the movie. Right. And right. in the books, he is a pariah. He is living abroad because he's being hunted by damn near everybody wants to get the gray man. And so he is the mythical assassin that works with Fitzroy and takes on, but he still has that moral base that always I want, I do what I do, but I'm still going to do it for the right reasons. I'm not just going to kill indiscriminately. He's not a Lloyd. You know, he, he has a conscience. He's, willing to stick his neck out to do things that sometimes are against the mission, but because it's the right thing to do. Hmm. And so there are times where he it puts him at odds with what he want, what he needs to do with what he feels he has to do. Hmm. Um, and those kind of themes come to play in later books um, as well. And that pisses off the people that he's working with working for because they want him to do go from A to C and he might have to jump from, you know, A to D back to C, but he always has a plan and he always follows what he believes is what his moral center for getting the job done the right way. I I like that because a lot of these characters and these heroes of thrillers you'll have the same tension they're working for an intelligence agency and the main tension is do their superiors want them to do the dirty work for themselves or is this really the right thing for the country or the greater good? And so there's always that tension. But then on the other side, the private for hire assassins are always the ones without the moral compass. The mm-hmm. villains who work for somebody like a Laurent or whoever's paying the highest they're usually the you know the slummy ones, the trashy ones. 
So it's real interesting to hear that court is kind of living on the edge, taking jobs. But while he's taking those jobs, he realizes what his employer wants and is paying him for. If it's not the right thing, he won't end up doing it. So it's kind of the reverse of what I would say the trope is, which is usually the four higher guys are the ones that are just sleazeballs. And the guys who work for the intelligence agencies are torn about doing the right thing or not. Yeah, it, it's a nice play on a nice little flip of the script to to be that character. And, you know, obviously throughout, and I'm not going to spoil things for later books, but his relationship to characters early on in the books obviously grows and changes as the series progresses. Um, and I'm sure they'll do that with the movie as well. Um, so it's, it's very interesting how it all plays out in that, you know, you have people like, sorry, man, got to do this. And he's like, well, do what you have to do, but so am I. Right. And he always, you know, he has that moral center that he always goes back to for how he's going to attack a certain problem. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I like about, you know, that what Greeny has done with this character to make him new, make him fresh make him stand out as opposed to, you know, some of the other characters that we get. Um, because yeah, you could just easily fall into the trope of being a Jason Bourne, uh, Mitch Rapp, Scott Harbath. Um, and you know, we want to see, we like to read different things. And I think like when I, when I re- started reading the book, I went into it thinking, thinking it was going to be like that. And then I had to get over the fact that, all right, this is, this, this book is just outlandish in terms of it wants to be like what Mike said, like what I feel like they captured with the movie. I'm going to pick and choose from Jason Bourne. I'm going to pick and choose from uh, all the other thriller authors that I like Uh, throw in some mission impossible, crazy ass action. Um, And yeah, let's just go along for the ride with court and this guy who has, you know, like you said, this moral compass. Um, And I think like the book definitely, gets that across and I, I think the movie does does as well in terms of you know that's the whole reason why he goes after the girl right or mm-hmm. you know has to has to get the girl and fits and Fitzroy he feels like there's right. that connection there of and it, that humanizes the character mm. and I think they did a nice job of that it's not I'm just this superhero superhuman guy who can take an absolute beating and then still walk away like it's nothing but there's that connection there that draw that softens them just enough that draws in readers and adds another layer to that character that I agree with you that, that makes it real. It it makes it very engaging to watch. Speaking of being engaging to watch, this is a good time to give an update on a segment. I like to call the critics can go scratch. (laughs) So, I find it engaging to watch. You find it engaging to watch. But unfortunately, only 45% of critics, according to Mm. the tomato meter, find this engaging to watch. And in fact, one says, quote, it's filled in with lukewarm leftovers from far better films. What say you to that? Except the the audience score is still an impressive 91%. What do you think about the discrepancy there? I think critics are paid to write an opinion and you know, it, it depends what that person is. That person, a thriller genre fan, do they rip, you know, are they the artsy person who loves the, you know, what's going to win best, you know, best movie of the year, which that's not what this is. This is a straight action thriller. 
Just like people don't like all the comic book movies because they're too popcorn or whatever. Like the way I look at it, can you entertain me for a couple of hours to where I'm not thinking about my daily life? A hundred percent. That's it. If you can do right. that, if you can entertain me and make me think and make me want to talk about it with someone who else who has seen it and we'll get in a debate and we'll discuss it like we are doing right here. If you have that, great. That's all I need. Yes. I don't get caught up in critics and what they, you know, whatever. Like, like you said, they can go scratch. If you don't like the movie, okay, I don't like the movie. I don't give a damn. If I think a movie looks entertaining, I'm going to watch it. It's all. I'm, I'm almost glad this movie was not more realistic because if it attempted to be more realistic, if, if I had felt that they were trying to do that, I would have sat there and I would have thought about that the whole time. Well, that couldn't happen. Oh, all these cops, you know, and he's uh, tied to he's handcuffed to a bench in the middle of the town square and nobody can get him. And oh, Ana de Armas with one RPG is basically blowing up a castle of 100 plus shooters. Like if I sat there and, and, and tried to give it an ounce of is this realistic, it would have ruined my movie going experience. So I'm it glad this movie every doubled movie you've down. ever seen. Right. Yeah. It knew what it, it wanted to be, and I'm glad it stuck to it. If if you're if we're gonna sit there and crit and analyze and nitpick every movie, you know what? Like we'll destroy anything. Yeah, there'd be like five good movies. That that's all. Right. You'd have like Shawshank Redemption and The Godfather Part One, and there you end <laughs> two. There you go. That's it. I mean, yeah, it's like I mean, come on, just entertain me. That's what movies are entertainment. This this, this, it's not a serious movie that we're going for. We're not like, it's not like they took Gettysburg and like started like injecting humor into it. Like <laughs> where they're, you know, they're cracking jokes at night after 20,000 people just, you know, got, you know, massacred or whatever. It's, that's not what this is. It's not, it's not a, it's an entertaining movie. Know what the movie is aiming for. And that's what I believe that you would write. A review on that's not how everyone views it okay fine you know but like i've never paid attention to critics and what if it's something that i think is going to be entertaining and i will like i'll watch it there we go yeah i i tend to focus more on the audience score mm -hmm. because especially with you know something like this where massive amount of people are going to see it on netflix or you know like with with the mcu films if well, one, I, I'll see every MCU film no matter what. But, like, I don't really care. Like, you know, people hated the new, you know, most of the MCU films that have come out since Endgame. And I, I, I'm i like, what do you hate about it? I enjoy It entertained me for two hours, you know? It, it was better than, I don't know, watching paint dry. Like, you know, like, not that that's a standard, but, like, I don't know. You know, but the problem is, is that this, I've seen bad action movies. And this this was not it, you know? That's, that's the thing. I don't know. I I don't know why they they get their their panties in a bunch. It's 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 really it's really frustrating. And like, I also I watched Ambulance. Have you guys seen Ambulance? No, I did not see like, it. Like uh, another outlandish, you know, crazy. A lot of drone shots. Uh, you know, the the plot makes absolutely no sense. But you know, they gave Michael Bay his bag, and he didn't disappoint. You know, he explosions out the wazoo. It entertained me for it, that movie was long; it was almost like three hours. Um, that I I start to have a problem with, but like, you know, it was fun. It was engaging. You know, like I, I don't know, they, they, the credits, like you said, can go scratch. 
But also to your example, like you said, the action was so crazy. It's Michael Bay. So it's going to be awesome. And it didn't matter if the plot was bad, but the plot isn't even all that bad here. Like it's not great. It's not not perfect, but it's not all that bad where you need the whiz bang. You need the $200 million in casting, acting famous, you know, casting famous actors or the CGI to be crazy. Like it wasn't a bandaid trying to cover up a bad story or bad dialogue. I, I would say not the best or not great story or dialogue, but it wasn't like it was just trying to cover it up with action. Do you guys think this would have been better as a 10 part Netflix series as opposed to the movie? I have a feeling on that and I'm going to say no. Part of the reason is it works so well for the terminalist because the terminalist is a meaty, deadly, serious, really dark story. And to pack that much emotional punch into two hours wouldn't have worked. It it doesn't have that lightheartedness. So let's reverse that. The gray man, I think, doesn't have as a book or a story all that much meat. It's much more fluffy. It's not a tight, emotional, gripping thing or, or a psychological drama that you need to unpack over a longer period of time. So, no, I, I think it worked here making it a movie, keeping it to around two hours. And also the fact you could see that it didn't have that meat and that substance. Like Jared was telling us, they needed to bring in the CIA storyline and characters from future books. So they actually needed to pack it even more to get to two hours. So for that reason, I don't think it would have worked as a longer drawn out TV show. I do like the the long format, you know, Reacher and Terminalist and, and Jack Ryan. But I don't think the gray man necessitated it. I think this was I think a series of action movies is what it needs. I can go either way. Um, I I agree with you in that I think that there is a heaviness to the terminal list that is 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 a lot more to unpack um, than uh, than the gray man. But I think it, it, it depended on how the writers wanted to go. I would not have been opposed to a series with this because then I think you can you can stay truer to the source material if that's the way you want to go. And you can do a series that way because you're able to delve a little bit more into the backstory, into the relationships more. You can add that meat back as opposed to maybe – covering it superficially over two hours and then you continue to delve into it. You know, you leave that little, you give them that taste and then you come back in the sequel and you build. So layer one is gray man. And then layer two is the sequel movie in a, in a series. You're just, you're, you're, that's all interchanging together and you can do that. I, I, I would love to see all these genres, a lot of these as series because then you can, you can, you can play a lot more with what's there um, in the books, as opposed to feeling like you have to change it a lot. Um, I don't have a problem with what they did. As I said, I loved it. I thought it was enjoyable. They could have done, you can always do more with 10 hours than you can with two. Let's just say that you can always do more. But again, it comes back to the contracts. It comes back to timing. Can you get, there's a lot more, you know, Pratt had to go between this and doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. 
But how does it turn if, if Gosling is your actor and Evans is your actor, where does this fit into their schedule? Yeah, you probably don't get all of these big name actors in a series. You know, you, right. you might right. get Gosling and Evans or or just one you know, just one of the two. Yeah, you're right. It could take it could it could it's do the actors have two months or do they have six months? Right. So that's gotta play in that's a lot of back stuff. Like I've done some background acting and like so it's like you see how much goes into five minutes of shooting. It's incredible. I was on set once for six hours for a five-minute TV scene. Oh, wow. What, what show was this? It was Mr. Mercedes. It was uh, Brendan Gleeson. It was on the audience channel, which was like an AT&T channel. I think it's all on Hulu now. Yeah, yeah I've seen it. It's based off oh. a Stephen King novel. Real messed up book. Really messed up. But I was in I was in the season two finale to play a videographer. I actually got some FaceTime, which was sweet. Wow. Uh, cool. What yeah, it was very cool. But for the first the first day I was there, I was on set for like 14 hours, I think it was. And and six hours was literally just on the opening statements of the court case in the finale episode. Because they have to shoot it from far away. Then right. shoot it closer. Close. Yeah. Every angle, and the actors have to repeat the lines over and over and over again, and nail it. And it is painstaking, long, long days. And they do tremendous work. It's amazing to watch them. The amount of work and the crew that I mean, like, so as I'm watching movies now and watching shows, I'm like, oh my god, You're how many about that stuff? Like they better nail this in one shot, especially with like those action scenes. It's like you gotta you, you've gotta nail them because I don't know how much Gosling's you know stunt double can take jumping through how many plexiglass windows that they have. Right, you know, it's like right. maybe you enjoy being thrown through a window and falling, you know, thirty feet onto a pad. Maybe you do. I don't <laughs> know. I'm not gonna judge. I actually think it would be fun. But you know, <laughs> it's a lot of work. So I think the the timing of what you can do with the actors that you're working with also plays into what kind of whether you can go series or whether you can go movie. And then I think the writers go from there. I'm wondering if that is all precisely why we haven't heard about season two of The Terminalist, if it's the logistics piece. So I'm hoping it happens soon, but a little I hope surprised so. I, I really hope it. so. Cause I think that, that Jack has told an amazing story with incredible depth. Um, and that he's built up. And, uh, so I think I, I would love to see it. And just like, I'm, I'm really excited to see future movies. I know that they talked about with, with the Russo brothers have said they wanted to make this like, like almost like a born series. Uh, for the gray man with multiple movies. I think that they would like to put, you know, maybe three to five pictures together using 11 books. Now that he has of material, that's enough material. But even if you take stuff from two, from two books per movie, you can still do a lot. It would have been cool if this movie ended with a title screen of the gray man will be back. That would we'll, we'll, we'll return. Yeah, we'll return. I think. I think just having him walk out, kind of the way he did, you it know. Yeah, it was. It good. was. It was good. Like it. It. It's. It's. It was a lot of fun to watch. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, all right, this was different. This was different. But yeah. again, 
I still like the end product. I think what they did at the end, they kept the spirit of it alive. And maybe now that how he walks out or how this first movie ends, maybe that then brings in his relationship with the CIA that you have in the first book. Right. Mm -hmm. Does he go from asset to liability? So there's a lot of tones that they can play with. You know, like I said, with, with Anna de Armas's character, where does she fall? Yep. Right. Right. Where, I'm glad where they left Moore it. Where and Carmichael go? You know, how does that all play off? And then there's so many other characters that they can bring in. So it's, it's very exciting to see. And I'm sure Mark is excited and happy to see that they have, there's a lot that they can do moving forward. Yeah, no, definitely. We're, we're here for it and I uh, can't wait to see it. Yeah, this was fantastic. I am more excited now to continue reading the series because I wasn't sure if it was a series I would I would continue and get to the end of. But you've definitely convinced me. And it, it's glad to to hear a, a positive, fresh take uh, on the film and, and on, on all these books. And uh, before we let you go, though, I do have to ask you something because the listeners should know it is thanks to Jared that we have been giving gold, silver, and bronze awards to our covers in the judge a cover by the book segment. On oh, the I podcast. didn't know it was you, Jared. No, thank that you. That was all Jared's idea. <laughs> there are a few things that I advocate for on social media, but the uh, when you started doing the cover stuff, when those posts came out, I was like, this is just fun. I'm jumping on this, and I'll I'll speak about it in an authoritative way until someone is like, you're an idiot. And no one said that yet, so I'm just going to take that, and I'll go with it. Yeah, because Chris, in the early days, we only gave our favorite cover. And, you know, ever since Jared brought it up, we've been giving our first, second, third takes. So I got to ask you then, if we're looking at all the Mark Rainey books, and if you okay. go to his website, markrainybooks.com, you can click on the books uh, page and, and see them all. It even shows his standalone books, the two of them, Red Metal and the, the newly released Armored, and mm -hmm. his, what, seven or eight uh, Tom Clancy books. Give us your gold, silver, and bronze best Mark Graney covers. Yeah, let's just first off say that Graney has had one hell of a writing career. Right. Yes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna immediately. I like the Clancy novels, but all of them are basically the same. Um. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna put them all behind. Armored and Red Metal. I like, but if I'm gonna, if we're gonna go gold, you know, gold, silver, bronze here, I'm going gold, Gray Man. Again, I am a sucker for the debut. You look at that novel with the black out, you know, with the black on the outside, uh, that kind of, you know, with the blue and the white and the guy running, that's just perfect. It sets up exactly who the character is and and sets up the book really well. Uh, and it just draws your eye in. I'm also gonna go with number two, let's see, bronze, or no, I'm sorry, silver. Silver, I'm gonna go back blast. Um, one of my favorite movie, uh, one of my favorite books off, probably my second favorite book off of, um, after gray man, uh, it's number five in the series. Okay. And it brings, it kind of brings part of his story full circle. Again, I'm not going to ruin it for people who haven't read it. Um, but things that happen in the first couple of books, this come, they come to a head in Backblast, something to look forward to. One Mr. Carmichael plays a very large role mm, in this okay. book. 
and his story and his relationship to Cortland Gentry. Um, so that one, and I just, him walking with the Capitol behind it. That's pretty colors, cool. I like, I like it, the, the traffic, you know, like I, I'm a sucker for that too. On the side. Yeah. It just pops. And then let's see. I don't know what it is about it, but Sierra six just is enjoyable to look at. It's pretty good. Yeah, that one's that pretty is, good. That is a good cover. It is It is just – I like how it goes up into his name. You yep. know what I mean? Which is a silhouette. Which is a, different, is a different style than they've done for any of his other books, looking at it. So I don't know what it is, but it's just the colors that are there that really just stand out to me. So whoever does those covers, shout out to you guys because, um, you know, it's awesome. And it's a lot of work, I'm sure. But that's that's what we're gonna go with. We're gonna go with Gray Man, Gold. What did I say? Backblast is the silver. Backblast. And then Sierra Six will take home the bronze. Jared has spoken. All right. There it is. I, the guru has spoken. <laughs> the self-appointed guru. guru. <laughs> I gotta add that to my Twitter uh, to my Twitter pro, uh, profile. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Love chatting, Gray Man. Every time we get to talk to other fans about these books, it is just a delight. Best part of doing this podcast. So thanks for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. I'd come back anytime. Fantastic. Yes. We'll have you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Yes. Thanks, guys. All right. We have to thank our patrons, especially our our special operator, Sherry F. Along with our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, Jimmy Boy is on his way. 